Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with a special guest, my wife Kim. Hi everybody. In today's episode, we're going to talk about City Skylines. We'll follow up with a discussion topic on city building games in board game and video game form. But before we get to that, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. For this week, I'd like to thank Derek Rickert, a co-op lover level, Copeland Woodruff, co-op lover, and finally, TJ Jackson, co-op fan. Thanks so much for your guys' support. Really appreciate it. So let's jump right into City Skylines. City Skylines, the board game, is actually based a little bit off the video game. In City Skylines, you are working together in a co-op game, it's one to four players, to try to build the happiest city you can. And you do this by zoning different districts, building unique buildings, and trying to complete milestones. And milestones are effectively large chunks of lands that you're trying to populate. To do so, you're playing cards from your hand, and these cards require you to either gain or lose resources. So it's always a constant battle of how to play the cards you need to and gain and manage those resources. The board game does list many scenarios. However, these scenarios are basically different modules you can add to the game to increase the complexity of it. They can range anything from adding unique buildings, adding policies, events, or even special roles for each player. And with that, let's jump right into our top five review. If this is your first time listening, what we do is we pick the most important things you need to know about the game, and we rank them from five being the least most important thing you need to know to number one being the most. And along the way, we talk about if each of these points is a pro or con. Without further ado, let's start with my number five. My number five is a con, and I'm gonna say the roles seem unbalanced. So one of the modules in the game provides you a roll card, and how it works is at the start of the game, you will deal two of these to each player. They will look at the two cards dealt to them and choose one, and the other gets placed back in the box. And all these roll cards give you a special ability. They vary from something like, if you ended a milestone, you can get a bonus effect if some condition's true, could be something like, hey, all your service buildings you build cost one less dollar. Or it could be something like if your uh, utility resources are at a certain level, you don't suffer negative effects. They're pretty varied. Even one increases your hand size. And I do like the var- variety in the roles, but I feel like they're not always balanced. And I think a good example is the gardener to bring up. So how he works is... There is a utility track at the top of this resource board. So this resource board contains your power, your water, and your trash management. And then there's also your workforce, happiness, and then your crime, pollution, and... Traffic. And traffic, thank you. I'm here for something. (laughs) But the Garner Special Ability says, if your utilities, your power, water, and trash, is just below the zero mark, which means you will lose happiness at the, at the end of each each milestone. You instead don't lose any happiness. No matter how many below? No, that's the kicker. It's only the first step below it. So it's very situational. It's kind of nice because if you were just below the zero mark on all of those, you would normally lose three happiness, but you would lose nothing in that case. But if you're two steps below any of those levels, you would lose the normal amount of happiness. 
And so the most you can get out of a milestone for a bonus for that is three. And that's if everything falls exactly right for you. On the flip side, if you have the mayor, she says that if your workforce is exactly zero, you get three happiness. So you're only really watching for the mayor that one attribute as for the gardener. You have to make sure all those other three are in the sweet zone. Exactly. Okay. It's much easier to manage the mayor than it is to manage the gardener to get an effective uh, balance between those two roles. And some other ones like, for example, my wife was playing our last game. The architect. And that thing I felt was, you know, I, I owned it in the early stages for, what was that, service buildings? Yep. Um, you get minus one money for service building. So those really early ones were all free. And fortunately I was drawing them. So I was, you know, just knocking those out and it was great. And then I never had to worry about ending the milestone. I just always left that to Steve because he was the mayor. So we had a good system working, but I think to your point, some of them might feel more powerful and not as balanced. I don't know. I don't think I know enough of the roles. Each, I don't know enough of each of the roles to really comment on that. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's there, but this is my number five. It's the least impactful of my points I bring up today. But as I've tried the, all the different roles, I have noticed that some of them definitely feel like I'm able to manage it better. That could just be my play style, of course. But just looking at mathematically, like how I would be able to control the mayor much easier because I'm working at one factor versus three for the gardener. It's, it seems much more, I don't know, easy, easier to use. And a good point for Kim's character, the architect, she played last game. So how the game plays is there's three decks, a level one deck, a level two deck, and a level three deck. And there are various buildings mixed up into each of those decks. So you'll find a set of utilities in level one, another set of utilities in level two, and another set of utilities in level three. And service buildings are the same way too. If I happen to draw all the service building cards in my hand, there's really no good way of me giving the cards to my wife so she can play for a discount. Yeah, unless you were to put them in the exchange pile, but you have to pay $2 to do that. Exactly. So that really nullifies the benefit of a dollar off that the architect has. So I see your point there where, you know, if the cards don't land in your favor in that sense, you could really hurt for getting that benefit on your character. The other thing to mention about the rules too are there are a number of rules that require the player to trigger the end of the milestone. So what that means is on your turn, you have three things you can do. You can play a card from your hand. You can exchange a card, which basically means you take, you pay two money to set a card aside and then draw a new card to replace it. And effectively what you're doing is you're putting into another pile of cards, which you can draw from later in case you want to, you know, store that card off to the side. And the last thing you do is end the milestone, which means you go through this whole scoring system. Now, if we all had an ability said at the end of a milestone, trigger this cool effect, that won't happen for everyone because only one person can trigger the milestone. You generally play the four milestones, so there's a chance for everyone to get it for the game, but that's basically it. Now, that's not a huge deal because, like I said before, you do deal two choices and pick between them. So you will want to talk to your uh, other people at the table to make sure you plan accordingly. You don't have everyone pick the same milestones. Yeah, I mean, and that's also a bit thematic because you want to have a, I'll call it a city staff team that's balanced enough to work well together. And it's it's part of the game in the sense that I think it adds just that level of management 
that you can add on just for fun because this is one of those additional you know i want to make the game a little extra harder type deals yep i don't mind the picking of the roles but i definitely didn't feel like all the roles were balanced but that was my number five a con moving on to number four which is a pro this is a slight pro but i felt the construction cards had a fair amount of theme to them so what i mean by this is there are three decks of cards like i mentioned before and these cards all for the most part are construction cards so you, what they do is they say, hey, spend these resources and then place a zone or tile down into a district and then possibly get a bonus out of it. But they seem fairly thematic, actually, in the sense that if I drop down a fire station, these tiles seem fairly thematic in that if I were to play a fire station, I increase the happiness of my city because obviously people like not having buildings burned down. <laughs> so, And other effects like if I build a utility to manage my trash, that's going to increase my trash capacity, which is really nice. So if I build a park, that can help offset some pollution. Yeah, and then even in the construction cards, we also are talking about the residential zones, the commercial zones, and the industrial zones. And each of those, I think, have a fun little bonus or, or touch on the theme that I think was done smart in the game where it ties everything pretty well together and nothing seems really out of place or just out of left field. Definitely, and I feel like each card, at least I can't tell if there's any duplicates in the decks, but they all do something that makes sense where like, if I lay down this cheaper residential zone, yeah, I'll, I'll get an increase in my workforce, which is consistent for all the residential cards for the most part, but this one might have a plus two crime, which means, well, yeah, I got more people here, but now these people aren't necessarily the best people for the city. Well, no, so. you get higher density and population. You know, it's harder for people to get along, I guess. That's how yeah, exactly. Going. Exactly. And then a lot of the industry cards will generate you money. And some of them can generate big money if you set up those bonuses, which makes sense for an industry card. And so I felt like these cards, you know, they weren't strong thematic tie-ins because as I'm playing the game, I do forget about some of the thematics. I'm looking at more of the mechanics of the cards. But they were there, and it was appreciated. When I was ready to sink into the theme a little bit more, that part was available to me. Moving on to number three, which is also pro. That is the decision to draw from multiple decks. So like I said before, a huge part of this game are these construction card decks. There's a level one, a level two, and level three. And when you start the game, you will draw a starting hand all from the level one deck. And kind of how it's divided into the level one decks are your cheaper cards. They don't do as much a big, big bang for your buck, not as efficient. And as you move up to level two, now they cost a little bit more that you'll get more in return. And then level threes cost a lot more, much harder to trigger or utilize, but you get a much bigger return. I'm wondering if that's part of a player count aspect because the games that we've played, you know, we've only had you and I playing and I've only ever really been able to play one or two level three cards. And I'm wondering if we had more players, you could kind of have the, the first people going pick up the low, low cards. And, you know, by the time it gets around to your turn, you know, second or third turn, you could potentially have a level three card. I have no idea if that would pan out that way, but for our experiences, it's really, for me, only really ever been level one or level two, because if the longer you prolong the game, I think it gets harder and you get pretty much to a losing condition. So in our experiences, it's really been, 
you hit a point and you're like, okay, we have to, you know, finish this game now, even though we haven't really gotten into the level three deck. Yeah, that might be true to an extent. I, the kicker is when you play with lower counts, you have a bigger hand, and the higher play counts, you have a smaller hand. Oh, so you might get, you know, stuck with missing utilities and things like that because you're just not drawing that many. Okay. That, that's correct. Yeah, which is interesting because you know that there is one police station, one fire station, one of all your service buildings, one of all your utility buildings in each deck. So if you see that a deck is smaller and we haven't drawn that that park you really need to trigger this cool bonus. Or the electrical plant that was the last <laughs> card in the level one deck and we were so desperate. Ugh, it was just, it was crazy. Nice that you have that ability to choose a little bit to try to get those cards you want. And then the other thing that's nice is the level one, it's only good stuff in there, like only buildings and, and construction cards that you can use. But the level two cards, if you play with all the modules, now you add policies in there which now are effectively one-time effects you can play to the game, and events, which are always bad. So they pop out as level two and level threes. And you also have unique buildings, which are ginormous. They're free to play, but they take up a lot of space. And so effectively, if you stay in the level ones, the game is kind of basic, kind of easy to play. And then you move it to level two and level three, now you have a lot more to manage and work with. So it's nice that the game will naturally ramp up to those more complexities as you play. But yeah, I really enjoyed the, the just the simple decision. Like, okay, I can draw from any of these decks at any time. In fact, my first card I play and replace from my hand, I can draw from a level three if I want. There's nothing stopping me from doing that. And maybe you want to do that because maybe you know that this card's going to give you a really big return on investment. And you can start using it as a goal. Okay, now I'm going to build to trigger this cool effect. Yeah, I'm playing accordingly. Exactly. Okay. Moving on to number two, which is a con. This is the luck and the card draw. The bulk of the game is played from these construction cards. So how it works is you will draw this card, you will pay the resources or move the resources around, and then you'll be putting a tile onto the board. And so these tiles have to fit in the proper locations and if you are able to put these tiles next to other tiles, sometimes they have to be directly adjacent to it. Other times you just have to be in the district. But you'll get this really nice bonus. Could be something like, hey, if I build this residential zone next to a fire station, I will get plus $2 or plus one happiness or something like that. Or it could be something like, hey, if I build this commercial zone in a district that has three industrial zones already, I get this really nice return of like $6. So those effects vary pretty dramatically. But like I mentioned before, sometimes I really, really want a park because I have three cards in my hand that will trigger off park bonuses. And there's only one card of that has a park characteristic is each of those three level decks. And like my wife mentioned earlier, that maybe it's a bomb card in that deck. And now what are you doing? You're holding onto these cards, hoping to draw that, and you might not see it for a while. And so it's really hard to manage it's, I wish there was some way we had a little more control over getting those service buildings out of the deck a little bit easier, but it does make a, a fun puzzle on the other end. Yeah, so one thing Steve and I were talking about was what if we took those service buildings out and put them in a separate deck that you draw from and, and kind of bring those to the forefront? And I'm wondering if that would just completely nerf the game because a big part of this management game is how are you going to manage this? And are you putting all your eggs in one basket, hoping for that one card? I mean, it is a game and it's supposed to be challenging, 
But at the same time, when you're playing a game and it's just not going in your favor, you can only have that happen so many times, I feel, and then you can start to get turned off of, of that whole experience. We haven't hit that yet in this game. Um, I feel like we've been able to work together to make something work. Uh, the last game we played, I kind of took care of most of the service buildings just because Steve was getting screwed on all of his draws until the very late end of the game. Um, so I don't know. I think that's something that we should definitely try out and, and see what happens. I, I, I have a feeling it's going to make it way too easy. But on the flip side, when we get into discussing about how this is correlated to the City Skylines PC game, that would make it more like the computer game in a sense. I agree with what you're saying. I feel like this could be a negative factor for a lot of people if they don't like that feeling of luck. I'm not sure if it's a huge factor because like you said before, you can manage it. You can now, if I'm holding on to these three cards that have bonuses with with a park and I don't see the parks coming out, I can always put them into the exchange pile and I'll set them off to the side and in the reserve for a while. Or there's nothing saying I can't play the card anyway and just not get the bonus, which is fine too in some situations because to move on to the next stage of the game to complete a milestone, you need to have one tile in each district. And generally the first tile you play in, in this district won't get any bonuses anyway because there's nothing there to trigger off those reward conditions. So the other part of the card draw is I think if you play without the added cards, the policies, the what newsletters or whatever those events. are called, events, um, I think the game would get kind of repetitive because the industry, commercial, and industrial zones, you know, the, you play a card, you put the tile down, make it fit, get your bonus, move on. Taking that throughout the entire course of the game without throwing a little monkey wrench in, I, for me, I, I feel like you need those those extra challenges to get the full flair, the full flavor of the game. And that does add to that, well, you're going to get lucky or not, depending on your card draw. It could be a great policy or you could get really, you know, messed up with a bad event. But again, I, it's part of the game for me to to be challenged and and try to figure out how to manage your city the best that you can. That's a really good point. I, I agree with that. So these scenarios I mentioned before are essentially modules you can add to the game to add some more variety and challenge. Like we said before, the policies are cool one-time effects where normally you pay too money and then you can just improve a resource. Should, could be something like... Oh, they added you know dog walking paths or whatever it is and you cut out what? Two... Pollution. traffic or uh, two pollution yep. so it's stuff like that that affects your typically affects your pollution traffic and crime and i'm assuming is that it i haven't seen any others there's a few others in there too that could benefit off like having a lot of hospitals around you like a ban on soft drinks you can can do so there's some really cool ones in there and the nice thing about them is you don't have to lay down a tile because normally you always have to lay down a tile always have to play a card because one of the lost conditions of the game is if you cannot play a card in your hand, you lose the game. And that could be if there's no sp spot to drop the tiles, but more than likely is if the card requires you to spend a resource which you no longer have, you deplete that resource, basically you moved it to the end of the red zone on the track, you can't play it. Something like if my crime's at the max level and I have a card that will increase crime if I play it, 
cannot play a card until you match a crime. There'd be chaos in the city if you <laughs> played that card. Exactly. Cannot do it. <laughs> yeah, so that's one you can lose. And you can also lose if you need to spend money. You don't have any money left over. And um, this game is challenging for sure. I have lost a number of times. And we have lost together a few times too. I don't know if that's really the game's fault or just you and I, really. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> just, you know, sometimes things happen. <laughs> you know. My wife tends to be a better player at, th- at this than I am, for well, sure. Well, I grew up playing SimCity and Skylines on PC, so I would like to think that I have some level of, you know, mag- man- managerial skills for city building. I should put that on a resume or something. That would help. There you go. (laughs) No, it'd be terrible. You'd never elect me. That kind of ties into my number one a little bit. And this is a big one for me. And that is the cooperation in the game. And this is a huge pro. I was not expecting the level of cooperation in this game when I opened it up and read the rules. I played the game solo. And it plays fine. No issue with solo. But the game feels so much better with cooperation. And I... And with one caveat, though, I, I will mention that the game does say when you're playing this game to put your cards face up in front of you so everyone can see everyone's cards. And then you're supposed to slide them up and then remove them from your play area and replace it. But what? we always played it with just having a hand of cards because it, it makes it more fun to talk about stuff anyway. Wait, so in the rule book, it actually says lay them out and just move them? Like, oh, that? okay. <laughs> it's so much better, like Steve is saying, to... It's almost like go fish in the sense that you're having this hand and you're like, oh my gosh, I need a park. This would be great. Steve, do you have a park? <laughs> you know, go fish. But that banter back and forth that you can have throughout the game, just trying to get your cards to work and cooperate together is a lot of fun for for us that we've had. Oh, definitely. And stuff like, oh, cool. I have this card. That if I have a park down, I can get two money. That's great, but I need to have space here. So, hey, do you need any space in this district? Well, yeah, I want to play a residential zone there. Okay, well, now we have to plan ahead. We have to look at the tiles available to us and make sure the tiles we pick is going to leave enough room for the other player to play the cards they want to do. And all of these tiles are all unique. They all have very different shapes. It's like Tetris, in a sense. You're trying to build you know, the best fitting board that works for you in, in the game. Oh, very much so. And then not only that, you also have to worry about the timing, too, where, oh, man, I really need to play this card to give us the money because we're out of money, but I can't do it because this is requires us to increase the traffic, and our traffic is maxed out. Is there any way you can drop the traffic? Well, if I do X, Y, Z, I can drop it down. But in order to do that, I need you to do X, Y, Z again. And so it's a lot of back-and-forth banter. like and And just planning. So I know the way I've been playing was I will – plan my next four moves if I have a good sequence of cards and say, I I would like to do this, this, and that. But then Steve could say, well, actually, that's a terrible idea for me. We're going to fire you, Mrs. Architect. So it's, it's really just, again, honing in on the strategy that you guys together figure out or as a team figure out. For sure. And it is difficult to land on the spot where you can end the milestone even because how this works is at the end of a milestone you will look at your happiness level and you'll transfer that value to your overall score in the game and this is cumulative because 
generally that happiness doesn't drop a whole lot. It can drop. Well, I should say there's some some re ways it can drop a lot. But generally what happens is if, let's say, for example, in your first milestone, you were doing excellent, and you managed to jump that happiness to a 10. So now you would, at the end of the first milestone, you move that that 10 score to the the overall score. But you still keep your value of 10 on the board, so you can add to that later on the next milestone. And so it just accumulates these massive points. Which I haven't seen for a game I've played yet, so I don't know how that looks. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one amazing game, so it is possible to do it. It's It was difficult. I did that solo. But I, uh, I, Again, I think it's just us. I'm sure people are like, what are they talking about? This game is easy. I got it down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly find it pretty challenging. Well, I think we we might spend a little bit too much time in certain districts because we've had districts that are just packed to the brim. But then, you know, you're in your research or your your discussions, you know, people that are knocking it out of the park may not be building nearly as much as we try to do. Tough call because you want to, like I said before, bring that happiness up as high as you can go before you move on. But to do so, you have to fill up these districts and spend all your resources and you need those districts empty and those resources to supply the next milestone. So it's really like this push and pull of how, how to manage that. And like I said before, if you have a role that requires you to end the milestone, well, now I need to have certain conditions to be true when my turn comes up in order for me to end the milestone and get this really nice bonus. Now, not only do we have to manage our card sequence of play, we have to organize the timing of it as well. And like I said, you have to play a card on your turn. Sometimes that is very difficult to do. Yeah, or like you said, you just play a card for the sake of playing a card and forego the, the benefit of it. And typically when you do that, you're just losing an employer or gaining, you know, doing something you don't need and you're just playing the tile for the sake of it. So yeah, that's the cooperation. This was really good, actually. I enjoyed that immensely what did you like the level of cooperation here i really did and it like you said it surprised me because when you think city builder for me again is was always so solo you know the the pc games is that's that's my world i go you know build and do whatever i want and i don't have to worry about anybody else but like steve like you were saying yeah there's a lot of back and forth just to make it work and make it more interesting for sure so that's going to wrap up our five points. Let's jump into our final thoughts. Kim, would you like to start? Sure. I mean, for me overall, I, I do like the game. There are parts of it that, you know, miss the mark based on my nostalgia and expectations. But the fact that it's a board game, I don't think it could be what I was thinking it could be. And to clarify that, you're a huge fan of the City Skylines video game, is that correct? I love that game. I haven't played it in a while, but I grew up playing SimCity, and City Skylines came out several years ago, and I got that, and it really is the game that SimCity should have become. Um, it's, for me, a lot of fun just developing my own city. I get full control. I like sandbox mode, that's cheating, but that's fun for me and then i can make it so pretty and do whatever i want and the other thing about that too is you have the ability to bulldoze and totally change everything up 
And then in this City Skylines board game, you don't have that. So if you want to rip something out, you're, you're screwed. You can't. It is the way it is. Um, and then in addition, the, the PC games, you can play those service buildings and utility buildings. The level ones is what I'll call them. As long as you have the money for them, I, basically. And you can put down however many of those you want. And I think for the board game, it, it limits you in that sense. But again, I don't think it has the capacity to do that because it would just blow up and be, you know, way unwieldy. too... It would be, yeah, it would be a little unwieldy. So, yeah. but yeah, overall, I do like it. I just had to adjust my expectations from what we were getting into on the table to what I was so used to. So my thoughts on this game changed pretty significantly. To be honest, we received this copy from the publisher. So this was a free copy. So we sat down. I was pretty excited about it just because I know my wife loves City Skylines. So I was hoping it would be a good game. I read through the rules and it's like, oh, okay. That seems fine, I guess. I, it didn't really wow me, which isn't a good or bad thing. Just, okay, that's fine. And then I sat down to play it and I played it with what they recommended, the intro scenario which is pretty light. There's no no additional factors to that with those modules you can add. And it just didn't do it for me. It was like, I don't know. It just felt like, honestly, it was going to rate it like a pass. So like, well, okay, well, let me try it again. So I played it again, and it's, you know, it's maybe a little bit better the second time. It's fine. It's like, okay, well, let me add a bunch of these modules in. So I just went head, head first and added a ton of these different effects to the game and played it again. And that helped a lot. And after a while, after playing a few times, I'm like, you know what? This is actually pretty enjoyable. This is definitely not a Steve game. If you would point this game out on the shelf and say, hey, is this the type of game you like? I would probably honestly say no. But we played it and I started really enjoying it. And now I, my thoughts were like, okay, this is probably a weak recommend. I played some more, so I was seeing the cooperation shine. Like, wow, this is actually, I'm actually really enjoying this. This is very much on the Euro side of the spectrum. So if you like Euro games and you want a co-op, this is pretty good. I like it. This is definitely worth it. It's not a heavy game in any means, but there's a lot to digest on your turn to try to figure out what cards to play. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, since I went from, hey, go ahead and pass on this game to weak recommend to a recommend, would it, if I kept playing this game, would I eventually change to strong recommend? I don't think that's true. Be and I say that just because this is not my style of game. But honestly, I like it a lot. And this is a game that I was really surprised. This is a definite recommend for me. I urge people, if you're interested in this game, to sit down and play it. But don't just play it one or two times. Because like for me, it didn't really shine until I got into it enough. Like really let it sink in. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier, throw all those extra cards in. Because I think it'd be too vanilla with just the base cards. And then also if you're like me and you have high expectations based on your PC games experience, you're not designing your own roads or building bridges or doing any of that. So it you gotta take it for what it is. It's a board game, but I think it is a good board game for what it is and what it's trying to accomplish. And I still had fun playing it. Yeah, I was surprised for, this is probably the only cooperative city building board game I know. And it does a really good job with a co-op. And the city building is definitely there. So you know what? If that's the goals it was set out to be, I think it did did a good job. 
Okay, now moving on to our dis discussion topic. I think it'd be fitting to talk about simulation city games. My wife loves simulation games and she loves city games, so I figured I'll bring her expertise in here, especially comparing the video game to the board game. So I figured that's a good place to start off. So how would you compare, or how would you describe City Skylines, the video game? The video game is a city management game at its core, but it gives the, the player a lot more control in the game itself. There's a lot of flexibility and a ton of opportunities to be creative and really build whatever it is you want in terms of your city layout, um, different districts, and the level of detail in the PC game is mind-boggling when I think back to what the original SimCity game was I don't know, 20 years ago or however that long ago that was. Yes, I'm definitely a big simulation PC fan. Again, I don't play as often. I go through waves, really, of what I'm into. So like, if, I, if I'm getting in a, a niche for some PC gaming, I can really get lost in that world. So simulation games are my niche. From City Skylines, I do Banished, um, Prison Architect, uh, Surviving Mars, I even done Transport Fever. I mean, anything simulation, I will give it a shot because that's just what I love to do on the on the PC. So as I mentioned, my my love for City Skylines PC stems a lot from the fact when I was a kid, I grew up playing SimCity, Sims, and all those types of games. So I, I think it's great that people are trying to bring that world to the table and you know just figure out if it works and what they can do with it we say you like being creative in the video game what do you mean by that exactly the computer game itself lets you do so much in the sense that you're given a blank slate of land you could build mountains you could build rivers and then just get your foundation and then put your roads in figure out where your districts are going to go which again as i mentioned earlier the board game, it cannot be that large of a scale. It's just not possible that I can see to have that much freedom to to do whatever it is you want. I mean, even in the game, you could go into God mode. Um, and then there are also expansions and, you know, DLCs. You could have disasters, tornadoes, and a whole bunch of other stuff that can get thrown at you and at your city. The milestones, in the sense, are there where you're trying to trigger certain effects and get, you know... A certain amount of population you become a small town and you get a little bonus and then more access to other buildings um, so that that theme and that goal setting is in the board game but in the computer game it's there's just so much more to it would you say the board game does an ample job at representing the video game i think it does for what it can do if, if that makes sense it did a good job for for getting something out there. The tracking system, the things that you're managing, those are all the same, they're there. You're doing that also in the board game. You might have a little bit more control in the board game because you can bulldoze things, you can spend money, you can take loans. There's a little bit more meat, but you still have to worry about your power, your water, your trash, and your crime rates and all that because even though your crime rate in a city, if it, you know, there's no red bar that if you hit, you're, you lose. But if your crime gets too high, nobody's going to want to live there. They're all going to move out and you're not going to get any money from taxes. And then you, 
you basically have a dead city. So conceptually, I do think the board game got those points across. It's interesting bringing up the control topic because, yeah, with a video game, you have a lot of control of what minutia you want to tweak and do in the game. And, yeah, that would make a board game version of it possibly unwieldy. And so the other fact of a board game is I wonder if removing some of those control elements makes it more of a puzzle, makes it more of an actual game as opposed to a simulation. Like, I wonder if there's a delineation between playing a simulation and playing a game. And maybe there is, maybe there's not. I mean, one of the, my most favorite games I've played this year is U-Boat, which, you know, straddles that line. There's a big element of a worker placement game in there, but you're also playing a simulation of you controlling a, a submarine in World War II. So yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, if we were to make a simula- more of a simulation, less of a game, would we pull out some of these control aspects in the game? Is that luck addition of luck and removal of that control makes it more of a fun experience? I'm not sure. It's just something to think about. I don't know if that would transpose well between one to the other. The nice thing about the computer game is that it is, I'd say more simulation, but it's still a game. I mean, if you're not in sandbox mode and you run out of money, your city's dead. You got to start over. So, I mean, there's still those limitations in that sense. It's a little bit more, I'd say forgiving, but if you set yourself up on hard mode and put certain parameters on, that is a, you know, can be a hardcore strategy game. You're trying to figure it out and hit those milestones. At some point you can say, okay, I hit all these milestones. This city is done. And for me, I have, you know, finished quote unquote cities where it's like, I don't feel like I can take this any further that would really give me the benefit of playing this simulation or playing this game anymore. And the board game is, it is a game. I don't think it's going to be able to get to the simulation level that you would get in the PC game. Exactly. That's what I'm wondering too. So if you were to differentiate between them, I think that's what makes the level of abstraction they chose for City Skylines probably an appropriate choice while still maintaining some truths to to that of the video game. Like the point you just mentioned about, well, you know what, I, in the video game, I feel like I can't take this city any further. I definitely feel that's true in the board game. At some point, when you have all the milestones unlocked, you can build wherever you want, you're getting to the point of the game where, yeah, you know what, I, I don't think I can play any cards because it's not going to be a positive benefit to do so. And I'm running out of room, I'm running out of resources, whatever it is. And so at that point, I just have to end the game and do my final score tally. Yeah, so I would actually compare the term simulation and game to more of a, a sandbox mode and game because you could, again, in the PC, really turn it into more of a structured game. You're trying to hit certain things and you're getting thrown you know, under the bus a lot of times with various aspects that you've selected to make things harder and then hit that point where, okay, I've made a stable city and I'm done. But if you're playing in sandbox mode in the PC, you know, you can willy nilly do whatever you want in a sense that it's just there for the, the sake of your freedom and doing whatever. (laughs) So compared to the sandbox mode, it's really more of a leisurely activity for me where it's, I'm doing it because I want to build something cool. Legos are also awesome, and that's what I grew up on too, so maybe that's why I like building cities. I don't know, (laughs) but 
I'd say that's how I would compare it. If you're looking for a sandbox type of city builder game, that is not what the board game is. I would say the board game is a structured game version of the PC City Skylines. Very much a puzzle in that regard. Yes. We are working together. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's an excellent point to wrap this up. I don't know if I can set it any better. Cool. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much to my lovely wife, Kim, for helping me on this podcast. It was my pleasure. You know, we do have fun playing games together, and it's nice to jump into, I say, a little bit more of your world, um, which is expansive. So I do want to say again, thanks to everybody who is helping my husband with his, I'll say, addiction. Um, No, I, I love it, and he has a great time. So... Yeah, thanks for letting me come on and and share my thoughts. Anytime. Tune in next week when Mike and Peter cover our game and design discussion, and we'll see you at the next stop. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another top five list. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They they made a city builder board game. That's dumb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might cut that out. Please. <laughs> What time is it? It's almost 11. I'm tired.